it's so easy to trip over from support to enabling because our kids grow and learn and change. So something they couldn't do, you know, a month ago, they can now do just fine. And maybe we haven't adjusted our own expectations. Welcome to the Beautifully Complex podcast, where I share insights and strategies on parenting neurodivergent kids straight from the trenches. I'm your host, Penny Williams. I'm a parenting coach, author, and mindset mama, honored to guide you on the journey of raising your atypical kid. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Beautifully Complex podcast. On this episode, Sarah Wayland and I, as the Behavior Revolution, are going to tackle enabling versus supporting. I think a lot of parents get confused in this area And the distinction is super important. So it's definitely a timely topic that I think is going to benefit you and your kid, maybe your classroom, even if we have some teachers listening. So with that, Sarah, where do you want to start? Maybe just describing what we feel like the differences between supporting and enabling would be a good jumping off point. Sure. I'll tell you what I think, and then you can correct me. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I think you got that backwards. I don't. (laughs) But for me, supporting is providing enough support for your child that they are able to do something that might have been too hard for them to do without your help. So thinking about how much support they need, but not too much. When you move into too much, where you're basically doing it for them and also not sending them the message that you think they're competent to do it, then that would move into enabling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, enabling is definitely doing for, in my opinion, also. And I call myself a reformed enabler, but then I say, <laughs> well, maybe not all the way reformed. Like, I typically have to take that back sometimes. It's hard. It's really hard because enabling is so much easier for a parent, yep. typically, at least in the short run. In the long term, it's not. <laughs> but in the short term, enabling means, well, I can just do it for them and get it done rather than try to teach a skill or wait for their timing or you know, ask 20 times, right? (laughs) Right. That's why I think parents fall into that enabling trap so easily is because it's just easier and more efficient sometimes if we just do for them. And then, you know, supporting, I always think about the word scaffolding because it helps me sort of visualize Mm. what that support is. And my husband and I have built a house, so we've had lots of experience on scaffolding. So for me, that's like a really good visual representation of that. But I always think about the fact that support is helping them to get it done themselves versus just completely doing it for them. And they have no sort of stake in the game. They have no, nothing within the task or the process that they're participating in. But that idea of the scaffolding, I think really helps us to see that we are sort of giving a skeleton, like we're holding them up in a way and supporting them to be able to do something. Yeah. And that doability that you mentioned is so vitally important that we're really thinking about that as parents, right? Before we decide what our role and our child's role is, really, we need to figure out what's doable and what's not, don't you think? Oh, for sure. And I think it's that balance 
that leads, it's so easy to trip over from support to enabling Mm -hmm. because our kids grow and learn and change. So something they couldn't do, you know, a month ago, they can now do just fine. And maybe we haven't adjusted our own expectations. Yeah. But also sometimes the demands that are placed on them are so much higher than they can cope with. So, you know, my favorite example of this one is homework, you know. So let's say your kid brings home their math homework and they haven't the foggiest clue how to do it. And you're trying to get dinner on the table and they're wailing and moaning about their math homework in the other room. And, you know, when my son was little, I actually used to just go in and reteach the concepts to him which was, you know, he was doing it himself and he was learning. But what was bad about that is his teacher didn't realize that he wasn't learning during her class. Mm-hmm. So she thought he was learning. And at some point during the year, I was just like, I am homeschooling my son. <laughs> like, this is not, you know, like, why am I sending him to school during the day? This is not okay. And so I stopped doing it, and we just started writing at the top of his paper, you know. I made it possible for him to sit at the table for, you know, however long homework was supposed to take at that point, 30 minutes. And I would just write at the top of the paper, you know, this is what he got through in 30 minutes. And I would not help him at all, which was terrible for his morale because he started failing everything. But it was better for the school because they then knew what was working and what wasn't, and they weren't getting that feedback before. But I think as parents, we don't know, like, well, if the teacher's sending it home, then it must be doable for all the other kids, and therefore my kids should be able to do it, right? Mm, You just should it on yourself. I did. I do it all the time. (laughs) I know. I know. We lived there for a long time, and sometimes we, you know, still fall back into those patterns. I'm always trying to be careful to let everybody know listening that we're not perfect. (laughs) We've learned these hard lessons over a really long time period, but we also still fall into those traps because we're not perfect. And it's hard. It's just hard. And Penny, back then, I really was shitting all over myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Totally. I spent like three years in a pit of shoulds (laughs) trying to figure out what the heck to do, right? I just thought, well, he should be able to do all this stuff, right? I didn't know that... That was the wrong thing to be thinking or the wrong mindset entirely. Took me a while to learn that. Yeah. I'm sure you had the same experience. For sure. As you were talking, I wrote down, ask yourself, how can I make it doable? I think that is an example of support. Yeah. Because part of support is figuring out doability, as we already talked about, but also accommodating helping fill in some gaps, right? Like you were helping your son learn some things that he hadn't learned in school, which had its own negative consequence, but that was still supporting him. Yeah. And so, you know, there's work for us as the adult to sort of come up with ways to support rather than enable. So enabling seems like the easy way and it doesn't take as much effort. Supporting takes a lot more work and effort, a lot more thought and intentionality. For sure. And, you know, I'm thinking maybe giving an example is a good idea here. And the one I was thinking of while you were talking it was chores. Mm. So cleaning the kitchen is, is an example that's uh, currently on my mind for some reason. Mm. Me too. And so in our house, for many, many years, decades, 
I was the person who cleaned the kitchen. And I just did it because A, it was much faster. B, it was cleaned to my standards, which are apparently higher than anybody else's in the house. For sure. But it meant that there was a big load on me to do this. And when I didn't do it, things really fell apart. So we shifted to everybody has, you know, a part to play in that cleanup. So I wash hand dishes, my husband loads the dishwasher, my older son empties the dishwasher, and my younger son puts away the hand dishes. And those are all manageable tasks for them, except that, for example, like when my kids are putting away the dishes, a lot of times they don't know where things go. So they'll come in and they'll say to me, you know, where do I put the whisk or something, you know? And so then I'll tell them where the whisk goes. But my older son got to the point where he was literally every single thing he pulled out of the dishwasher, he'd come in he and asked like... You first. Yeah, he would ask yes. me before he thought himself. And I would say, well, where are the other things that look like that? Like I would try to get him to think for himself, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. he was perfectly happy to let me tell him where everything went, right? Yeah. And when I was doing that, I was enabling him. Initially, I thought I was helping him because, you know, he genuinely didn't know where things went. But when it kept happening a year later, I thought, hmm, (laughs) he's not learning. He's just letting me do this for him. And so that had become enabling. And so I needed to step back and get him to start thinking for himself. But I didn't say, I don't know, you figure it out. Right, right, right. Because he would have shut down at that. But Mm -hmm. I I did say, well, where are the other things that are like that? And there are basically two options in our kitchen, two drawers that have that kind of thing in them. One of them is for less used things, and the other one is for more used things, (laughs) utensils like that. And so, you know, he puts them in one or the other, and I don't really care. I can find them. But I'm trying to get him to think about this idea of like goes with like. He's 24, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. the fact that I have to tell him that at age 24 kind of blows my mind, but it's because I spent so many years enabling him by not getting him involved in helping with the kitchen. Yeah, my daughter went off to college a few years ago, and the first day after we dropped her off, I got a text and it said, how do I do laundry? And I guess she had some new sheets or something she wanted to wash. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've failed this child. <laughs> my first thought was, you've already done laundry and you know how. <laughs> she did. Uh-huh. My second thought was, I have failed her if she is going to college and can't do laundry or figure it out, right? Yeah. And what it really was, it wasn't necessarily a deficit in skill or independence. It was that I've always been the safety net and sort of the comfortable zone Mm -hmm. for her. And so she just got in a pattern of always coming to me first, asking me everything, right? And so my text back would be, you know, well, are there instructions? (laughs) Which I knew Mm -hmm. there was a big poster on the wall with instructions, right? And so (laughs) leading her to figure it out, which she was perfectly capable of doing, and really already knew. The hardest part was paying for it. Oh, which is different. It was a really cockamamie system, and she couldn't figure that out. And then it was funny because I guess her last year, she was down doing laundry, and some girls came in, and they were really 
struggling to figure out the machine. And she, even with social anxiety and didn't know them, she walked up and she said, I really had a problem with that my first time too. Here's what you do. Oh, wow. like, yay. That's awesome. (laughs) You know, like she was feeling so good about that, that she was able to help somebody else. And it just takes like this confidence building. It's a big part, I think, of supporting our kids is making sure they feel, as you said, confident and competent. When they don't, they are going to fall back to us. They're not necessarily going to put themselves at risk and try. You know, and the other piece of it is that when they put themselves at risk and try, they actually learn it better, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like I had this experience with my husband where he, he plays this video game called Ingress, which is what Pokemon Go is based on. And he wanted me to join him and play with him. And so I was trying to learn how to play this video game. And there was a sort of high stakes moment. And he was trying to coach me through what I needed to do in this high stakes moment. And so he was just giving it to spoon feeding it to me step by step, do this, now do this, now do this, now do this, now do this. And, you know, we were successful, we blew up whatever we were trying to blow up, and it all worked great. But the next time we came to the same situation, I had no memory of what Mm -hmm. I had done. And he started coaching me again. I said, you know what, you just need to let me fail at this so that I will learn for myself. And when I just made the effort to actually try to figure it out for myself, once I did that, I had learned it. And that was the end of that. It was such a powerful reminder to me that you know, discovering it for yourself means you're going to remember it. But if somebody's just feeding it to you step by step, it's so much harder to memorize that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a doer. I don't learn by somebody telling me. Yeah. I learn by going through the steps. I have to feel it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of our kids are that way too. And that's just another way of supporting, you know, and I think what you're talking about is really like stepping back and asking ourselves, what do they need? And then questioning, do they really need that much from me? Maybe. Right. Because I think our inclination too is to overdo it, to help more because we want to protect our kids. From frustration. can completely blow up in our face. Yeah, yeah. Too protective means they never learn how to do and they never learn how to survive hard things and stuff like that. So, you know, we have to be able to discern where that line is. And there's a fine line sometimes between supporting and enabling. For sure. And, you know, I think your point about the short-term benefit versus the long-term benefit, I really want to highlight that for listeners because, you know, (laughs) telling my son where the stuff went in the kitchen was certainly faster Mm-hmm. right? The the dishwasher mm-hmm. got emptied much more quickly. But if I let him figure it out, it took longer. But over the long haul, it made him a much more efficient dishwasher unloader, right? Yeah. And I think that sometimes we lose sight of the long term goal, which is independence, you know, in favor of a short term goal, which is just getting all the things done, because there's so much to do. Yeah, there's so much to do. There's so little time. There's so much chaos. We're just surviving, mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Especially starting out or when things are still really difficult. You haven't quite found your rhythm with your kid yet. Yeah. You're just trying to survive. You can't really think about that long term. 
when you're in that mode because you're not taking time to be intentional, right? And that's right. That's what really we're talking about here is you have to take time to be intentional because you will default to enabling. I think almost everyone, every parent would default to enabling without thinking about it. Unless they have no patience with it. <laughs> so I was just thinking right. like, like my husband loses patience with the neediness a lot more quickly than mm-hmm. I do. And mm-hmm. so I used to get kind of upset with him because I was like, you're not being nice to them. But now I'm looking back and I'm like, oh, if I had just let him, you know, have them feel like allow them to feel a little nervous or a little unsure, then they would have gotten more independent more quickly. So, you know, yeah. it's such a, oh, it's such a hard balancing act. It's so hard. And again, you're going to make mistakes. We've all made the mistakes. You will continue to make some mistakes. You'll just get less and less, right? The better you get at it, the fewer mistakes will come down the pike. You know, I keep thinking, I keep coming back to your son and him asking you about where to put everything in the dishwasher. And my son, that's supposed to be his job. We're working on getting it done. And see, here I am enabling him to not do it because I just do it because it's easier mm-hmm. or because he's asleep during the day when yes. he's turned around or, you know, and I've been doing yep. it now for a long time. And the other day I said, hey, man, you know, it'd be so nice if you would empty the dishwasher for me right now. And usually it's, oh, later, later. And that's how I end up doing it. And that day he was like, okay. And he got off the computer and went right in there and did it. And I was like, hallelujah. <laughs> like, <laughs> there is the capability <laughs> of doing when I ask, which is a super big thing we're working on, is not just procrastinating on every little thing, right? Instinctually, when his mouth opens, it's just later. That's his automatic response, you know? But in emptying the dishwasher, he's the kid who will just put it anywhere to get it done. Uh-huh. He doesn't care if it's in the right place. Yep. Like your son is like, oh, where do I put this? Where do I put this? No, Luke is like, I'm just going to put it all in this cabinet. And then when I'm in there trying to <laughs> find something, I can't. And Sometimes I bring him in. I'm like, okay, you're going to have to find this thing. Where'd you put it? Which he doesn't remember, but he's just doing it mindlessly, right? right. He's not doing it with intention, but, you know, our kids can be so wildly different from each other and have different sort of struggles. But, you know, part of that was me enabling by doing for him when I needed it to be done, right? I can't have a sink full of dishes for another day. It has to be done. And... I asked him, he didn't come, so I do it. And that's the wrong way to go about right, that. Right, that's the wrong thing. He gets rewarded for ignoring you, right? But I'll tell you, <laughs> if I wait in this house, <laughs> they will be like walking to the store for paper plates if they have to. <laughs> like, it will not get done. Like, oh, Penny. I'm the only one that has the radar to like get things done, like clean up. And it just doesn't bother anybody else. And it's... Yeah, that's my own stuff. (laughs) I just have to share this with you. So the last week and a half has completely, it's been completely bonkers for me. Completely bonkers. Like I didn't have time to do anything. And so one of the things I really didn't have time to do was anything in the kitchen. Like we were ordering out every night because I just, I couldn't cook. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do anything. And I told them at the beginning of the week, I said, I am going to have a really tough, like, you know, last Wednesday, I said, this is going to be incredibly difficult. I just have to get through next Friday. Once I'm through next Friday, it'll be okay. 
And then I didn't have space to even remind people to do things. And let me tell you, (laughs) by the time Saturday rolled around, our kitchen was utter chaos. It was Mm -hmm. ridiculous. Dishes everywhere. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was horrible. There were food on the floor, all sorts. I mean, it was just awful. And I was feeling really depressed even though I should have felt good because I had gotten through all my big deadlines. And so I went in and I actually cleaned the kitchen. It took me four hours to clean that kitchen up. Oh, geez. And when it got to the end, my older son came in and he said, he said, whoa, this looks great. And (laughs) And I said, thanks. I said, it would have been nice if other people had been helping during the week because then it wouldn't have gotten so out of control because by this time it was two in the morning. Or helping during your four hours. Well, that would have been nice too. But I did get started at 10 p.m., so that was a little unreasonable. But anyway, Mm, so... Is it? Aren't they awake late? Maybe. It's not unreasonable around here. (laughs) Young adults, they're up. I know these are the things we tell ourselves, right? You are so right. These are are the things we tell ourselves because we don't want to inconvenience others. Right. We don't want to cause drama. We don't want to get in a battle. And we end up enabling in those situations. Yep, there I was. We end up enabling. It's good he noticed. He did. Oh, my gosh, (laughs) he did. And I said, you know, it would have been nice if somebody would have chipped away at this during the week. He was thinking about that. And he said, well, it was getting to the point where I thought I was going to need to do something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you need to take pictures. When the kitchen is a little bit messy and post them with a note at the top on a big poster that says, if it looks like this, it's time for you to do something. That is such a great idea. I love it. I love it. Like every cabinet door just needs to be a big old (laughs) visual sign. I mean, the same happens here. I um, went out of town for a couple days a month or two ago and came back and the kitchen was a disaster. And I said, you know, it kind of sucks to come home to this to my husband. And he said, well, it's exactly the way you left it. (laughs) (laughs) So it was my mess. I should, but it wasn't my mess. It was everybody else's mess in there, right? I just hadn't cleaned it up before I left. So he was proud of himself for not adding to the mess. Oh, wow. Not even thinking about helping, right? We enable our partners and spouses too, by the way, people. I've been doing it for 25 years and it's a mistake, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's, it's funny. I was talking to a friend of mine about this and she said, why didn't you tell them what they needed to do during the week? Like, why didn't you say to your son, hey, Instead of putting your dishes next to the sink and in the sink, why don't you put them in the dishwasher? (laughs) Right? Like, be specific with your requests. Now, that is, you know, people talk about the mental load that mothers often carry. And that's an example of that, where we carry that mental load. But, you know, they literally, I mean, my son's saying it, I was thinking it was getting to the point where I was going to have to do, he literally didn't see that it was a problem. Yeah. Until it was so out of control. And that's a lesson for me, right? That I need to tell him before it's going to take four hours to clean it up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think that's part of, you know, when we have to set expectations and set norms. Like when our kids aren't wired necessarily to see the mess, right? Then we have to say, okay, when this is 
happening, it's a problem and you need to do this. Like setting those rules for them so that they learn those skills. And that's been something we've been working on with Luke because his room, holy moly. (laughs) I mean, I've told him before, if somebody came in here, they would take you away from us. Like, (laughs) this is not okay. But he doesn't see it and he can't help himself. He can't stop doing something to take a dish back to the kitchen, right? And so we've really been working on it. And we started, like every time he comes out of the room, I'm like, just one thing. If you can just remember one thing, like when I get up and I leave a room, I look around and see if there's something I should pick up and take with me. Right. It's just habit for me. And part of it, I guess, is my instinctual organization skills that he clearly doesn't have. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to sort of teach him, okay, this is a rule. When you leave a room, you take something with you, Yeah. you know, and trying to go about it that way because the... Your room's a mess. How can you stand it? Is not motivating. It doesn't help. <laughs> to me, it's a mess. To him, it's not. To him, he's okay with it to a certain point. And then when he gets to that point, it doesn't feel doable for him to get out of it. And he's ashamed. Right. Right. And so he wallows in it instead of, you know, making something happen. And so we've really been trying to work hard on that. I'll tell you, I was having a conversation with Seth Perler, who's an executive functioning coach a few weeks ago, and I was talking to him about it because I said, you know, we, I got this giant trash can and I put it in there. I have this giant plastic bucket for the dishes. Like there are receptacles for everything right next to his desk where he's sitting, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like arms reach. How can that not work? And he said, well, have you ever thought about just going in and pulling the trash bag out for him and putting a new one in? I'm like, no, because I would think that's enabling. (laughs) He was like, no, you know, you're helping him keep it maintained. You're supporting him when he's still not able to fully do it himself. That's a great example. And that was a lesson. Yeah, that's great. I totally thought that was enabling. And I kept forcing myself not to do that kind of thing because I wanted him to figure out when it needed to be done, right? And Seth was like, nope. You were shitting all over yourself. I was. I was (laughs) shitting. And so that was really interesting. So the other day I went in and I was talking to him and I said, oh, I see your trash can's full. And I was about to say, I'll take that out for you. Mm -hmm. And he jumped up and picked it up. Really? took it out. (gasps) Yes. So I hadn't even done it yet for him. I just noticed. And here's something that came up a whole bunch in the School Struggles Summit. And in a lot of conversations you and I have had with a lot of people, and I know this is something you teach as well, notice things out loud helps to get our kids thinking about them and figuring out what they need to do. Yeah. So all I did was notice. And he, of course, wasn't in the middle of something where he wasn't going to stop. I mean, it was good timing, right? But Mm -hmm. immediately it clicked for him and he said, oh, I'm going to pull that out and take it out. And he did right away. Oh, And so I went and got a bag for him, and I put the bag in while he was doing that because I was trying to be supportive, right? And But, you know, it's interesting how somebody else having a bird's eye view has a completely different take on it. Like immediately Seth said, well, why don't you just go in there and pull out the trash for him? Have you ever thought about doing that? I'm like, heck no, I haven't because he's supposed to be doing it, right? And it was a huge eye-opener for me. And so sometimes it's so helpful to have somebody else who can say, wait a minute, you know, you're not totally enabling if you are just doing a little bit or if you're supporting in one way or another. Yeah. And you know what I love about it is that when you went in to do that, 
all he actually needed was the cue, mm-hmm. right? Because then he, he, you, you were right. He could do it himself. He just needed a reminder. So that's the other thing is like, you know, when you're supporting someone, knowing how much support to give, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, that lesson just, you know, like you went in there thinking, okay, he's just not going to think to empty the trash can. And it really is true. He just didn't think. But Mm -hmm. once Mm -hmm. you just went in there and, you know, thought, okay, I'll take this, I I will enable him by (laughs) removing the trash bag, right? But he actually wanted to do it. He just didn't think to do it. So he needed that reminder. Yeah, it's a big lesson in the fact that our kids want to do well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He could have been lazy all this time. And if I had gone to do that, what would he do? He would let me, right? right? If it was a matter of laziness, he would let me. But I think the key here is because I've given lots of reminders. Yeah. Those get met with a later and they get shrugged off. And I think uh-huh. probably uh-huh. 80% of them, he doesn't even really hear me or process it. But when I noticed something that was different, he received and processed that differently. That's huge. Like, that's a huge lesson for me <laughs> because that whole I notice and then waiting for them to talk really works. Like, it's declarative language. <laughs> Woo! It's amazing. It's totally amazing. I think this episode has been such an example of beautifully complex because (laughs) we have been telling lots of personal crazy stories that I hope are super relatable. And I think that they are, but just kind of like going back and forth about what's enabling and supporting and sort of having these ahas together about different things with each other. And It was a little messy, but it's also super helpful (laughs) and a little bit beautiful. So I hope that everybody listening has really been able to take some good stuff away from it. I'm sure they have. Again, I think it's good to just reiterate that like supporting is helping our kids to have it doable, to build skills, to foster independence, and enabling is just doing for. So I think, you know, we're out of time already. We could talk for ages, you and I, probably forever (laughs) if somebody let us. So. Well, it's pretty easy to fill up our time, but we'll be back in another month with another behavior episode here on the podcast. And for the show notes for this episode, go to parentingadhdandautism.com slash 195 for episode 195. Thanks for chatting with me, Sarah. It was really fun as always. Yep. We'll see everybody on the next episode. Take good care. Thanks for joining me on the Beautifully Complex podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share. And don't forget to check out my online courses and parent coaching at parentingadhdandautism.com and at thebehaviorrevolution.com. Thank you.